On today's show, patience, urgency, and finding the correct time to move on. Before we get there, I would love to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Sunday night, the game of the week in football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going on the road to the New England Patriots, who are plus seven underdogs. Now, the world is a very confusing place. I can't make sense of any portion of it. I really cannot, okay? Nowhere is it more confusing than in the world of NFL betting. Up is down, down is up, left is right, right is left. There's no rhyme or reason to anything that happens in the world of NFL gambling. Why do I bring this up? Because in order to bet on the NFL, you must embrace the chaos. I could give you a lot of reasons why Tampa is going to win outright and cover Sunday night at New England. Number one on the list. They are coming off of a loss against the Rams on Sunday. Tom Brady is coming back to Foxborough, a place where he won 313 Super Bowls, and he has revenge on his mind. I cannot give you a reason why I think the New England Patriots could win or could cover. Tom Brady himself is 40 and 14 against the spread, coming off an outright loss. Again, I could build a case for the next four hours why Tampa Bay will win and cover. So why am I betting New England plus seven? Because there's one rule in the chaotic world of NFL gambling. If you literally cannot come up with one reason why this side will cover, that is the side you must bet. You must descend into the abyss. Everybody and their cousin and their cousin's dog will be on the Buccaneers on Sunday night. They will be on them on the money line. They will be on them in every single six-point teaser. They will be on them against the spread. Therefore, we must descend. New England plus seven. It's a bet on the nature of chaos. It is a bet on the universe and what it provides to us. Unknowability and all sorts of confusion. We have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. It will teach you to have faith in that which you cannot comprehend. And now, Sports with Chris Roll. Patience and urgency, two things that I love to talk about when it comes to life, when it comes to sports. August 24th, I recorded a show about this subject, just the ways that patience and urgency can work in opposition, in unison, and how sports organizations must find a balance between these two things. It's kind of a tug of war. At times, you need to lean into patience. At times, you need to lean into urgency. I love talking about this particular uh, subject because there's never really a correct answer in the moment. It exists within that gray area that I love to, to philosophize about and to just poke and prod. There is no correct answer. Um, and because of that, I think there's a lot of valuable discussion that surrounds this particular topic. Patience, urgency. When are the times to utilize both of these things? Now, a good example of how you, you can't really know which is correct in the moment and only with a lot of time can you understand that was the correct decision or that was the incorrect decision. Good example of that within the last calendar year is the Milwaukee Bucks and the way that they ultimately ended up winning the NBA championship. Before the season, they made a trade, shipped out Eric Bledsoe and multiple first round picks and multiple first round pick swaps for Drew Holiday from the Pelicans. Now, at the time, I said, that is insane. Drew Holiday, he's an upgrade over Bledsoe. 
it's marginal. I wouldn't say it's an enormous upgrade. And the bigger issue for me was why is this team that I don't think fancies itself or belongs in the highest echelon of championship contenders, why is this team showing so much urgency right now in present day with Giannis, who is young, and you could take your time and build this out the right way? That's what I was thinking personally as a fan, as a person who follows basketball closely. I think a lot of people were aligned with my mindset on that. Uh, and so the Bucks, they go out and they take a home run swing and they say, now is the time to be urgent. I know Giannis is young, but we're in a championship window and we're going to try to maximize that. So their vision proved to be correct in less than a calendar year. A lot of times this takes years and years and years to determine whether or not it was the right move. Uh, the Bucks' vision was correct and mine was not. Uh, their vision was, if you have a championship window, show urgency. Doesn't matter that Giannis is young. Uh, we have a chance to win the NBA title this year. Sure, maybe we're not in the highest echelon of championship contenders. But we'll trade for Drew Holiday. And then it becomes about that belief phase. You got to trust and believe that the breaks of the game are going to go your way, which they most definitely did for Milwaukee in their championship run. We're going to believe that Giannis can be one of the best players in the world despite the free throw deficiencies and the jump shooting deficiencies, which he most definitely was. We got to believe that Chris Middleton can be a closer and Drew Holiday can be the best perimeter defender in the world and Mike Budenholzer is not going to soil himself every time he has to make a big coaching decision in the playoffs. All of those things prove to be correct. Uh, the Bucks showed urgency and ended up with an NBA championship ring. Now, why I think this is interesting, because if they had been patient, I, amongst many NBA people, would have said, yeah, this is the correct decision, you know, you got to take it slow, Giannis is young, you have a lot of time, you're going to have a lot of cracks at, at winning a championship. They probably would not have won a championship this window if they did not have Drew Holiday. And so we'd be sitting there applauding the Bucks for their efforts, for showing patience, they would not have an NBA championship. And then down the road, maybe they don't have any. And, you know, we're sitting there going, ah, maybe I was wrong about what I thought when it came to patience, even though they showed it, right? Time proved their choice, urgency over patience, to be correct. This is not the case for every situation. Every situation is different. Again, the cool part about these gray matter discussions, every situation is different. And there's no clear-cut answer that patience will always lead you to a championship. Urgency will always lead you to a championship. There's a lot of different avenues that you can take. So it's up to the organization. Make a decision, right? Now, I bring this up because obviously I'm thinking a lot about the NFL right now. And I think this topic is very pertinent for multiple teams. Uh, in the NFL, your championship window can open and shut in the blink of an eye. Probably more so than any sport I would estimate. So this is where the patience versus urgency discussion becomes really important. You got to know when to pull on the throttle or push it back. How much urgency should each franchise be showing in a way that the Milwaukee Bucks did? We got a window. We got to maximize it right now. There are teams at the very bottom that, I mean, it's just, it's all about patience. I mentioned a couple on yesterday's show about situation right at the top. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, New York Jets, Zach Wilson. 
there's nothing about those franchises right now in present day that should be about urgency. Should be 100% dedication to patience for these rookie quarterbacks, for the coaching staffs, and letting this situation develop. You know, we got to develop our rookie quarterback. We have to develop this situation around them, make it positive, put them in a position to succeed. All of the things that I was talking about yesterday. That's what the worst teams in football currently need to be doing. So you go to the other side of the spectrum and you say, okay, well, the teams at at the bottom of the trash can, we'll talk about them when it's Thursday and they're playing, but we want to talk about championship contenders and, and the slight nuances that separate each team in any given year which can be on-field play. It could be decisions made by the front office, coaching, all that kind of stuff. One of these factors that plays a role is patience or patience and urgency and which you're leaning into in any given year. An interesting team to examine through this lens is the New Orleans Saints. A team that for the last five years, in my estimation, has had the best roster in football. Incredibly talented team with really not a lot of flaws. They've been deep. They can play defense. They can play offense. They have playmakers on both sides. They have an incredible coaching staff. One of the very best coaches in football in Sean Payton. Great defensive coordinator in Dennis Allen. Just a without a doubt Super Bowl contender every single one of these years. Okay. And strangely enough, the thing that has really kind of held them back especially in the latter stages of this window, has been the quarterback position. Now, this is weird because we know Drew Brees has been playing quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks of the last few decades. Now, where this became really interesting is the last couple of years when Drew Brees turned into very old Drew Brees by quarterback standards. And his arm turned into an arm that struggled to throw the ball beyond 10 yards and struggled to throw the ball outside the hash marks, the areas of the field that you kind of need to attack and you need to have arm strength in order to attack those areas. So it's not really great to have a quarterback there under center that can't do things that the vast majority of quarterbacks in the NFL can do, especially when you're inside of this championship window, right? You need to just go back and watch his final game last year, playoff loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look at the throws that he's making in that game when he goes 19 for 34 for 134 yards and three interceptions. I, as a believer in that Saints team, had money on them to win the Super Bowl that I bet at the start of the year. So I was watching intently. And there are a large, large, large number of quarterbacks who could have played in that game and won with the New Orleans Saints. What submarine their season ultimately was play at the quarterback position. Now, to be fair to Breeze, even with him, with this diminished version of him, the Saints were this close, just very, very close to playing for and winning championships throughout this run have two of the most incredible playoff losses in recent memory. The Miracle in Minneapolis, Stephon Diggs, walk-off touchdown, and the ref-induced overtime loss at home to the Rams for a spot in the Super Bowl when the refs just kind of forgot what pass interference is and 
probably most definitely cost the Saints the win. So even with Breeze under center, they're this close. And this is where the patience versus urgency discussion comes into play. A team that was very patient at the quarterback position and said, uh, okay, we know we're in our championship window, but we're going to have patience at this most important spot on the entire field. We're going to believe that the smarts and the moxie of Drew Brees, which part of what has made him one of the best quarterbacks, we're going to trust that that can overcome his physical deficiencies, his limitations, his inability to attack the areas of the field that 95% of quarterbacks can attack. So this is, you know, it's theorizing, but it's interesting for me, a person who always likes to look at the other side and goes, oh, what could have been if the Saints pull the throttle on urgency and say, ah, man, we, we're looking at a greatly diminished version of this guy and we got an awesome roster. You know, what would New Orleans have looked like the last few years with a different quarterback under center? That's an interesting examination. If the Saints had been more proactive about moving on from Breeze and either signing or drafting a reasonable starting quarterback, not a, a experimental quarterback like they have with Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, but going out on the market and either drafting or signing a quarterback that, let's say, is a you know 16th, 12th best quarterback in football. What would the Saints have looked like over these last few years? Would they have a championship? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they would have been worse off. There's no real way of telling. Uh, all that we know is they chose patience over urgency. And maybe that played uh, some small role in holding them back. So I bring up the example of Breeze and the Saints because it's very applicable right now in present day to a different team that is going through in real time. This question of when is it time to move on? Very tough, very tough question to answer. And again, there's no clear cut answer in real time. It's part of why I like talking about it. Slotted into this patience versus urgency discussion is this Breeze question that is now applicable to another franchise. When is it time to move on from a franchise icon that is very clearly hurting your current chances of winning? I'm sure most of you have guessed that I'm now talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger because they are living it in real time. What the Saints were living in years past, especially last year with Breeze. Uh, clear limitations under center for a team that fancies itself as a championship contender. Now, Roethlisberger... He's been on the descent, uh, I would say, the last two-ish years, especially the last half of last season, very, very noticeable as the Steelers were plummeting, and a lot of that surrounded the way that he was playing quarterback. And through three games this year, it's gotten even worse. So I step back and look at the Steelers franchise and say, I get having patience with a franchise icon under center. It's really hard to just be ruthless and cut bait with them. But you also see the signs of decline. And so I don't think it's crazy to start planning for the future when it's two years ago and say, huh, we might need to start thinking about what does the future of our franchise look like at this particular position? It's not getting Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph on your roster like they have in present day and pairing them with this Really, really old version of Ben Roethlisberger. That is not setting your team up for success. Much like hearkening back to yesterday's show about situation, 
It makes no sense to have an immobile quarterback in Roethlisberger who's getting more immobile by the day, who struggles to make a lot of throws. It makes no sense to trot that guy out behind the weak spot of your team, a bad offensive line, which you've had in years past and you just haven't been able to improve. It makes no sense to do these things. It's partly why over their last nine football games, the Steelers are two and seven. It's partly why through three games this year, Ben Roethlisberger has a QBR of 35.5, 28th worst mark in football. In Sunday's just catastrophe of a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals at home in Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger averages 4.8 yards per pass. If you watch the game, it seemed even worse. He's stumbling around and falling flat on his face. He's got a fourth and 10 with the Steelers down by two touchdowns, and he's dropping back and swinging it over to Najee Harris, six yards behind the line of scrimmage, who's then tackled 100 years short of the the line marker. It's just every single week, it seems like the offense gets worse. Now, it should be noted that there is a slight difference between this Pittsburgh team and the New Orleans teams of the past. New Orleans, I do believe their roster was about as flawless as you could construct in a hard cap NFL. This Pittsburgh team is not picture perfect, most notably along the offensive line. Okay, But when you're acknowledging that the vast majority of contenders, actually every pretty much every contender by the time injuries take a toll over the course of the season, every contender is going to have some sort of flaw on their roster by the time the playoffs roll around. You look at Pittsburgh's roster and say, well, there's a ton of high-level talent on this football team that should put them right inside of a contention window. They have, when healthy, one of the best defenses in football. Just a plethora of playmakers there. T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Mika Fitzpatrick and Cam Sutton and Devin Bush go down down the list of all these players. They have a plethora of weapons on the outside that the right quarterback could really take advantage of. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster and a couple of reasonable tight ends and Eric Ebron and Pat Fryermuth. They just drafted a tailback in the first round last year, Najee Harris, who is struggling behind this offensive line and within the confines of this offense and with Big Ben as quarterback. Maybe he's not good. Maybe he is really good. And we just don't know because running backs are more situational dependent than anybody. But when it comes to this patience versus urgency uh, debate within an organization and how you flush out a championship contender and when you need to utilize each of these correctly, it looks to me like the Steelers have erred in their judgment of Ben Roethlisberger. And they've identified, no, we can we can still be a playoff team. We can still contend for a Super Bowl with this guy. And we don't need to build out the offensive line. And we don't need to have additional options at the quarterback position. Let's just roll it out. Let's play out the rest of the season with this unequipped quarterback under center and greatly diminish our chances of winning. That's what the Steelers look like they are currently going through. There's a lot of talk after... Last Sunday's game about, you know, should they bench Roethlisberger? And Tomlin's answering questions about it. And he's like, we're not benching Roethlisberger. And and if you read between the lines there, it's like, why would we bench Ben Roethlisberger for Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph? 
It's why this team seems stuck in limbo between past and future. Uh, this just stuck in limbo between patience and urgency. You have a different quarterback under center going into next season. The Steelers zoom right up the list into one of the 10 best teams in football. And instead, they look like they might possibly be the worst team in the AFC North this year, which seems unfathomable, uh, just how we viewed this team coming in. When is it time to move on? Very valid question. Now, choosing the correct time to move on is not exclusive to teams inside of their championship window, whether that's the Saints in the past or whether that's the Steelers in present day. It's also imperative for teams that are looking to rise up from the bottom, not the very worst who are at the earliest stages like the Jets and the Jaguars. I'm talking about teams that are two or three years removed from getting that quarterback and building up this situation, and they're still not to where they want to be. And you have to make a decision. Have we made the correct choices? Is this roster the way we've constructed it? Is it built for the long haul? Is it something that can grow together and become a championship team? Is this quarterback specifically somebody that we should build around that can help us ascend into a championship contender? Really hard, really hard to identify what the answer to these questions are. It's hard for old players, for these franchise icons, Breeze and Roethlisberger. I would argue that it's even harder for younger players within these teams that are not yet championship contenders. Because hearkening back to yesterday's show, situation on those style of teams it's a lot murkier. It's a lot harder to identify how much fault is on the player and how much fault is on the surroundings that, that he's a part of. Championship contenders, it's a little bit easier to pluck out and say, man, the Saints have been really good at football and it seems like Breeze is not doing his best part to boost them into a championship team. Same with Rossesberger right now on the Steelers. Teams with worse situations... I don't know. You skew one way or the other, depending on what your eyes tell you, and you don't really know until years down the road. So an interesting franchise and quarterback to examine through this lens is the New York Jets, or the New York Giants, sorry, and Daniel Jones. I've been harsh on Daniel Jones on this show and just in general. And yet, in my more forgiving moments... I mean, I see glimpses of talent from the dude. The turnovers are ultimately what I keep circling back to. But if I'm fair in my evaluation and how I always watch football and I look at the situation, I always will go, "Ah, I don't know. The Giants and the way that Dave Gettleman has built them out. It's not as atrocious as what the Jets have done over the last few years, but it's not really great. And they're drafting Saquon Barkley second overall. And... They're just missing on these high-level draft choices where fantastic players are being drafted directly after them over and over and over. How much of this is on this, meaning just the Giants' ineptitude over the last three years as Jones has been their quarterback? How much of this is on him? And how much of this is on the franchise? It's really hard to determine. But they're going through a similar situation of... When is it time to move on? How much do you need to see from a quarterback before knowing he is not the guy for you? 
we're getting to that crossroads moment. Daniel Jones, since he became starter in the league, he has turned the ball over more than any quarterback in football. Uh, The lack of success on a team level, it is not all tied to him. It is in part because he turns the ball over a whole hell of a lot, but it's still, that's a portion of the way that the Giants are losing. If you're evaluating him as a player, I think more people than not, myself included, would skew towards, I don't, I don't see a way that you can craft a potent winning offense around this dude. It's not to say that he's atrocious. It's not to say that there's not a place in the league for him. But if you're holding yourself to a high standard and saying we are trying to enter into a championship window, can you do that with him as your starting quarterback? I would say no before I would say yes. I might be wrong in three years. Who knows? We could be sitting there looking at it and he's on a different team and he's whittle down some of those turnovers and the high-level plays that he still makes in present day are there. And we go, wow, the Giants really were that bad. This is an evaluation that has to be made in-house. And obviously the organization is going to skew towards, well, we've done a good job putting talent around him and he's the, he's the person who is going to take the fall. It's usually how this works. Another team that is interesting to talk about just because they have gone through very recently what the Giants and Daniel Jones are going through is the Denver Broncos, who just going into the season benched a very young, highly touted quarterback in Drew Locke, who much like Daniel Jones, he's got flashes of talent, he's got physical tools, also makes just these incredibly dumb plays where you go, wow, you, uh, I, I, I don't know what was going on there. And you definitely did not as well. The Broncos said, we have a good situation. We got a good defense. We got playmakers. We can block. Uh, Drew Locke, you're not giving us the best chance to win this season. We are going to choose urgency over patience. So Teddy Bridgewater, who we just signed, who I, I don't think anybody thinks possesses an incredibly high ceiling, but he possesses a reasonably high floor. You're our starter. They're 3-0. and They've pounded on three atrocious teams. We'll get a better gauge of them as a football team on Sunday when they host the Baltimore Ravens. But so far, that decision has paid early dividends. When is it time to move on? Uh, This this concept, uh, this discussion of patience and urgency, it extends to infinity, honestly. Uh, But for today's show, uh, it's about players, and I'll close with talking about one coach in particular, because it also it also extends to coaching. When is the time to move on? And when is the time to trust, eh, this coach has shown us enough, and with the right surroundings, they could be a successful coach that takes us into a championship window and ultimately winning a championship. Person who's been on my mind since Sunday is Matt Nagy of the Bears currently on the hot seat and probably for pretty good reason. He's had some success uh, in the past, taking the Bears to the playoffs, milked whatever he could out of Mitch Trubisky, which is no small feat. He just turned in one of the worst coaching performances I can ever remember on Sunday. Bears at the Browns. Justin Fields making his first career start. 
I talked about this earlier in the week, but I really have, I've never seen a rookie quarterback put in less of a position to succeed than Justin Fields was in this game. Never in my life. It was astounding. It was almost coaching malpractice. Like he, like Matt Nagy was going out of his way to alienate anyone who watches football and anyone who covers the team and just say, if you want to fire me right now, just fire me. It's time. Let's, let's get out of here. It's crazy to watch that game a few days after watching the Texans play the Carolina Panthers and Davis Mills is making his first career start for Houston, a team that is not good. Davis Mills is a rookie. I believe he was drafted third round out of Stanford. Nobody has high hopes for him. Nobody expected him to be starting maybe at any point, much less three games into his rookie season. Injuries, throw him in. Tyrod Taylor's out. You're the man. And it's shocking to watch that game where a rookie quarterback that nobody thinks is going to do anything. He's put out there. He spoon fed some stuff, but by the end of the game, yeah, the Texans lost, but I watched and said, "Ah, Davis Mills didn't look like he was out of place. Part of that was on the coaching staff because they said, we're not going to ask you to throw 80 times and run around while your line doesn't block. But Davis Mills, by the end of the game, I said, all right, cool. Infinitely better than I thought it would be. And to watch that game and then go to Sunday and watch Justin Fields on the Bears with a coach who has had success in the past. Justin Fields, a a dude who I think people have a lot of high hopes for, a lot of physical tools, a lot of success in college at Ohio State, thrown out there and look like that. That's a clear reflection upon the coaching staff. So now the Bears are, are, they're coming to a crossroads. Because you got to have patience at the quarterback position with Justin Fields. That's the reason you drafted him. This is a years-long process. And the way that you're watching what what Matt Nagy has been doing with him, you're going, uh, do we even want to finish out this season with this guy coaching our rookie quarterback who needs to learn on the job, who needs to be put in position to succeed, who needs to first and foremost not be just obliterated by the opposition's defense physically. He sacked nine times on Sunday. He's crushed multiple times by Miles Garrett. You're the Bears, and you're trying to find a balance in which way you should skew patience, urgency, the area that you're looking at right now is coach. When is it time to move on? There's really no correct answer to this question for anybody I've mentioned, for Ben Roethlisberger, for Daniel Jones, for Matt Nagy. I obviously have my ulti- or my own opinions, but ultimately it's on the organization to make a choice. Patience, urgency. Which one are we going to skew towards right now? And that decision is what will shape each franchise over the coming years. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.